Hello and welcome to the Skytime Podcast with me, Simon Cousins. This is the podcast that aims to share information and experiences within the Sky community. As we begin the long process of recovery from lockdown, with tourism set to open on the 15th of July, it's important that we prepare to promote Sky as a safe and sustainable place to live, work and visit. This week, the government finally published detailed guidance for the hospitality sector on how they should operate safely when the tourism industry gets the go-ahead to open up. At present, that date is the 15th of July, subject to the COVID-19 infection curve continuing to head downwards. Assuming that is the case, the industry has just under four weeks to put practices in place, source equipment and appropriate cleaning products, and train staff. It's going to be a busy few weeks. To discuss the guidance and what it means for different sectors within the industry, I'm joined by three representatives of SkyConnect, the destination management organisation for Sky and neighbouring areas. They are Chair Dave Till, who also manages Sky Skins, the retail and visitor centre, Gary Curley is a SkyConnect director and also a director of the Sligahan Hotel and Seamus's Bar. Alistair Danta is SkyConnect's project manager and also runs a self-catering business in Edinburgh. Welcome to the SkyTime podcast. Hello, first of all. Hi. Hi, Simon. Thanks. Firstly, Dave, how weighty a tome is the government guidance? Well, it depends which bit of it you're looking at. Gary, um, for the hotel, has got the worst at 131 pages, closely followed by self-catering at 27. And me at Visitor Attractions only got 19 pages, so I got the easy read out of this one. But there's plenty of reading there. Gary, was it a tough read, 131 pages? Yeah, I mean, it's the longest book I've read um, since lockdown began, to be honest. <laughs> So yeah, it's um, it's a lot of pages, but thankfully a lot of the advice is fairly consistent across the, the different areas. Obviously in, in our business, it's a hotel, we have a restaurant, we have a bar, so there's many things covered. But thankfully a lot of the advice is quite similar across across each kind of outlet. And it's fair to say, isn't it, that it is advice. Um, there's not too much in the way of prescriptiveness about the guidance. Yeah, I mean... I, I think we're, we're still at the very early stages of, of reopening. And although there are things that, you know, seem obvious to us that we've been doing already, physical distancing, things like that, there are lots of kind of additional things that maybe we've, we've not thought about. But I think we're, we're all just going to have to, you know, do our best to try and, 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 and do everything as, as best as we can. And Alistair, from your point of view, do you think, having read the guidance, that the government has given the industry enough time to put everything in place? I think you can say yes and you can say no. Um, We're sort of four weeks away. But remember, you don't have to open. If you're not ready, don't, don't do it. I think that's the best thing. It does depend on the size of your business, the size of your operation, and the complexity of the risk assessments that you've been carrying out. And as a consequence of that, your operational plans. Let's get into some of the detail and we'll do it sector by sector, uh, starting with retail and visitor attractions. Dave, what are the headlines for you? Headlines for me, first of all, it's about protecting our staff. Um, We have quite a few staff members who are vulnerable themselves or live with vulnerable people and things like that. So that's got to be the first priority. It's based on risk assessment. So it's based on you walking through your business and deciding what the key issues for 
for your business are, whether, whether that's PPE and things like that. Social distancing that we've all got used to, whether it's standing in the queue at the co-op or, or following their one-way system. For us, it's about capacity management. So making sure that we don't allow too many people on site on our tours through our, our, our coffee shop and, and thing, things like that. And because we sell a, quite a tactile product, it's, it's about hand hygiene, making sure that everybody sanitizes their hands when they come through, come through the door. The, that's the key headlines, really. How onerous a task will the risk assessment be? And does the guidance help businesses to go through the process? Yeah, it does. In the hotel one, there's some example risk assessments at the back, which sort of walk you through the stages. It's fairly comprehensive. There is some quite helpful examples about around about the, about the risk assessments and, and how to do those. As Gary said a bit earlier, there is a lot of common sense, but it's making sure that you apply that common sense rigorously to your business. And specifically thinking about Sky Skins, is there anything that you've read so far that's going to cause you a big headache or there's a big challenge to overcome? One I mentioned already, selling sheepskins are pretty tactile product, so managing people that, that want to touch the product, want to, want to stroke the product, want to, want to do those sorts of things to, to the product. The way we're set up, the, the limited space that we have, the way that we've grown and the corridors and the narrow spaces that we have in the, in the showroom and the narrow space we have and the small space we have for giving, giving people tours are the things that are causing me the biggest headaches at the moment. And do you think that some retail outlets and visitor attractions will simply not be able to meet the detail of the guidance? I don't think there will be anybody that can't meet the detail of the guidance. It could severely impact on the number of people that they could have in their shop at any one time or on their, in their visitor attraction at, at any one time. And that will, of course, impact upon the viability of their business. And in our case, the employment of the 22 people that we employ there on Waterloo. Moving on to hotels, bars and restaurants. Gary, any surprises in the guidance? I mean, there, there is a lot there, but I don't think that's that's going to be a surprise to anyone. Really, a lot of the advice as well is things that, you know, you do anyway. You know, all the areas that you clean, it's just that we now need to clean them three times. <laughs> you know, um, all the touch points we have to make sure are regularly cleaned. So, you know, you've obviously got people coming out, in and out of rooms, things like that. People queuing outside. It's going to be very difficult to manage holistically, especially for a place like Slinking Hotel and Seamus Bar, where you've got a hotel, you've got a bar, you've got a restaurant. So there's, there's no real surprises, but I do think like what Alistair said, that it's important that, that people take the time to really digest everything that's being asked here, because there is a lot. And I think that over time, we'll, we'll all get better at doing dealing with it. At the Sligerhan, you've already been putting some measures in place before the guidance was published. Uh, was that work useful? Yeah, so I, one of the things that we invested in was outside seating, because there was obviously some advice coming from government that potentially outside hospitality could potentially look to open slightly earlier. So we did invest in some outside seating for the garden area, um, which also helps with one of the other challenges that, that Dave touched on, which is space. Obviously, the two-metre distancing, the more space that you can provide for people to eat and drink, the more, the, the safer they're going to be, really. But 
the discouraging thing, I think, was Nicola Sturgeon just yesterday saying that, you know, they're withholding the, the announcement with regards to being able to open outside hospitality because they're waiting on further evidence, really, to make sure that they don't have to add any other additional measures because outside hospitality, spas, things like that may be hotspots. So although we're trying to do the right things, the advice is still changing. So I think we all just need to be very flexible on an ongoing basis because I think the advice will change as it evolves. How frustrating is it that we're working at the moment under two metre social distancing, but there is a a fair to reasonable chance that by the time we get to the 15th of July, this will have been reduced to perhaps a metre, metre and a half. Do you think it would have been more helpful if they'd made this decision early? I think, again, that the situation is evolving so quickly. There's new evidence coming out all the time. I know that that has been discussed as a possibility. I know that the Scottish government's stance on it is that there isn't enough evidence yet to really say that we can reduce it from two metres, whereas some other people are, are saying that we might be able to. I think at the moment, as long as you're, you're, you're prepared for those distances being reduced, which is ultimately what we want, if you're prepared for the two metre rule, it shouldn't be too hard to kind of flex that down a bit if they say, you know, actually we can go with one and a half metres or we can go with one metre. But I think the important thing to go is to go with the advice that we've been given just now, prepare for people being socially distanced by two metres, but obviously think about having some flexibility there so that you can move things closer together should the advice change. You're fortunate at Seamus's Bar in that you've got a lot of space there. Many other pubs and, and restaurants and cafes, etc. don't have anywhere near that space. Do you think some of them will struggle to operate under the current guidance? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this is one of the issues that people are going to, going to face because space is obviously a key thing when, when you're trying to socially distance. What I do hope is that there are some things that the, the local councils will do to help that and that they'll allow for outside seating, maybe in areas where they previously would have needed, you know, certain permissions to do that. I think that's not just in the interest of, you know, the economy so that businesses can survive, but also in the interest of public safety as well. So hopefully um, the council and the government will be really supportive of that. And that that might help a little bit, although I think it's still going to be very challenging. Even us with a lot of space, once you put these measures into practice, you know, your capacity is reduced from, you know, what it would have been as 100% down to, you know, 30%, 40%. I guess one of the, the surprises as well that, that was in the guidance that, that I hadn't really thought about was, you know, the distance between customers who come to sit at tables also needs to be two metres as well. So you, you, you've maybe got families that are coming in together and how do you actually manage that on the day? you know, as to who sits where and, and, and can, are they allowed to sit together, are they not? So I do think, although the advice is, is trying its best to be clear, there's still a little bit that's open to interpretation, but I hope that that will, will, will soon be clarified. You mentioned cleaning earlier and having to do everything three times. I guess there's a bit of a dilemma there in that um, that could lead to you needing more staff, but the more staff you've got on means social distancing becomes harder amongst the staff. Yeah, I mean, every kind of requirement brings a whole set of new challenges that you need to manage, whether that be you need more people to do the work or, like, we need new equipment to do the work or, you know, we need to manage our, like, um, kind of standard protocols. I think that you just need to manage everything really effectively 
I know that we are looking at potentially reduced hours for lunchtime and, and dinner time. Usually we'd be open, you know, from 10 a.m. to midnight. But what we might actually do is, is, is have things in two seatings so that we do have time in the middle to really kind of clean things down, reorganise and bring in a new set of staff. So it is going to be challenging. And I think that, again, it's something that will evolve. But I do think that our staff, they already do a lot of these things. It's just that we're going to have to do it three times. <laughs> Alistair, you've got two self-catering cottages. What will you have to change in terms of your operation? I think the the, uh, the big thing will be the time, the time taken to, to, to clean because there are uh, extra additional protocols that have to be done. The process now is uh, obviously a, a sort of pre-clean to get ready for cleaning, do your cleaning, and then you've got to disinfect or sanitise. Um, so that is going to add a, uh, a considerable longer period to, to carry out the work. You'll also be requiring your guests to do a bit of the work for you in that uh, uh, there's a requirement for them to strip beds and gather towels, etc. before they leave. Is that a sensible approach? It, it is. And I, and I don't think it's that, that's very difficult because I think um, traditionally self-catering sort of always always asked guests to do that we have and there's there's never ever been any any sort of complaint or problem with that so I, I don't see that as being a problem we'll also be asking guests to leave windows open and make sure there's a good sort of airflow when they leave the building through there so there'll be small things like that but I don't think that's going to be a, be a problem just give us a little bit more clarity on this three-phased approach to cleaning what, what are the stages so obviously your, your, your pre-clean is getting the cottage ready to be clean. So you want to clear out all the clutter, get all the bed linen out so you've got clear surfaces to clean. You're probably going to have to wash all the dishes yourself again, or you can say to the guest, please, could you put all the dishes in the dishwasher uh, and put it at a high temperature? Um, so that's going to have to have to happen. And then you've got your clean, which has to be very thorough. You, all the touch surfaces have to be done rigorously you're probably going to have to think a bit more about sort of color coding things like the gloves you use in different parts of the building color coding the cloths you use in different parts of the building again so that's all part of your, your cleaning plan and then once that's all done you're going to have to do the sort of disinfectant or sanitized uh, process um, we decided we're going to use a fogger we have uh, the right equipment and we have the materials to do that once you've done that, your building, your cottage should be secure and you're good to go. The best resource I've found, and I found it this last week, it's a, it's a training video and it's produced by the Landlord's Little Helper Cleaning School. And you can find and access that through the Association of Scottish Self-Caterers. There was some concern that the guidance might insist on rooms and self-catering units being left fallow for a period of possibly 72 hours. That doesn't seem to be in, in the guidance. Is that a great relief? It is, it is. I think the only time you've got that possibility is if you have had somebody confirmed with coronavirus in your property. And then there's the timeframes all change then. Now, these guidelines are all designed to keep visitors and staff safe, giving the public confidence that we should be starting this industry again. Dave, what will SkyConnect be doing to help members implement the guidance and communicate to their customers? We're already publishing the, the guidance as is on the onto our Twitter feed, our website, onto um, our Facebook pages, so people can can look at it look at it there. We're aiming to get together a, a series of Zoom meetings over the next few weeks to 
share back best practice, answer any questions, take away questions that, that we can, so that people um, on the island can feel uh, feel that they've got the best knowledge that they can um, at their, their fingertips. And that uh, means trying to really communicate um, it out as much as possible, both for the bed and breakfast, the hotels, the self-catering, but also um, to give the community confidence that, that we are trying to do the right thing and trying to minimise the opportunities for coming to the island and spreading out into the community. Gary, there's a certification scheme called Good to Go. Is that something that you'll be looking to get involved in and recommending to Sky Connect members as well? Yeah, I've, I mean, just started looking into to all these different kind of uh, certifications and training that, that that's available out there. there. There are so many different kind of resources out there at the moment, which is a good thing, but it also becomes slightly confusing as well because you don't know which one exactly is the right one to do, but they're all following the same advice. So I think it's great that we're getting all this support from UK Hospitality and other organisations. Um, I know that they've got an online kind of training course that you can do for the hospitality industry as well so yeah it's great that we've got all that and hopefully we can share these with our members as well. Alistair we all know that there's a lot of concern within the community do you think now that these guidelines have been published that this will start the process of easing those concerns and and give the community a bit more confidence in the industry? I hope it will it's maybe step one and step two um, there's obviously a lot more that we need to do. We need to have those com- conversations with the communities because there are obviously other issues that they are concerned about. I mean, at the moment, we're sort of gathering information from, from businesses in our current series of business surveys. This is going to give us uh, data for messages that uh, Visit Scotland, CalMac, other agencies can then put out to visitors so they know before they come that the, the sort of what, what, what they can expect when they get there. Those are other things that are, you know, just, just as important. The messages to people before they arrive have to be clear. People do need to book ahead. They need to plan ahead and uh, to, to, to be realistic in, in what they can expect. Gary, on this confidence issue, part of the guidance suggests that uh, hotels, bars, restaurants do a sort of practice or pilot uh, service. Is that something that you'll be looking to do? Absolutely. We've we've got training planned for that and we're just kind of developing things based on the guidelines and we will get together with our staff kind of before opening and doing trial runs of all the different parts of the operation. Because although, like I was saying, a lot of the stuff is stuff that you'll kind of be used to doing. There's a couple of obviously quirky things within the guidance. I think it's important to really get your head around how different things are going to be once we open and, and actually how many potential kind of pressure points there might be on your operation with regards to where people can gather should things start to get busy and then how you manage that. So it's not just managing the general service, it's also thinking about where potential issues could arise from that would kind of put, I guess, customers and staff at risk in terms of social distancing and things like that. So yeah, we'll be kind of running like kind of different parts of the operation and trying to kind of... I guess, have a dummy run at everything before we actually open our doors and we feel ready to, 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 to bring customers in. Finally, Dave, if businesses out there have any questions or concerns, how should they go about getting these concerns addressed? They can either contact us through the uh, SkyConnect website or um, info at skyconnect.com through email, which Alistair will pick up, or 
post onto our Twitter or Facebook Facebook feed. We're monitoring them all, all the time. Those are probably the easiest ways ways to get get in touch. And then there's the wider organi organisations that are hosting information from Visit Scotland to the Scottish Tourism Alliance. But for the island, Sky Connect's the best point of contact. Dave Till, Alistair Danter and Gary Curley, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Simon. Thanks, Simon. As our communities and businesses begin to recover, we have the opportunity to work together to solve challenges and overcome barriers. Sky Connect is here to support and unite businesses that rely on tourism in Sky. Join now and help us build a strong, sustainable tourism industry. Sticking with this week's Sky Connect theme, the DMO this week has just launched a new website that will be a one-stop shop for visitors planning their activities and experiences on Sky. MySkyTime.com will also help persuade tourists to forget tick-box tourism and selfies at the top five sites, and to experience more of what the island has to offer. The website has been designed by David MacDonald of Sky Connect. Welcome to the podcast. Hi Simon, how are you doing? Uh, describe why a new site was needed. I think, as you described in your introduction, there is a lot of interest in a few sites in Sky and less interest in others. But I think that lesser interest in other activities is to do with visitors before they arrive not knowing that they're there. My Sky Time is designed to basically fill that information gap for visitors, give them a place where they can get a really good grasp of all the different activities on Sky and encourage them to kind of spread out and stay a little bit longer. And what are the key messages that this website will pass on that others don't? So there's kind of three key kind of points that the website's going to look at is firstly, as I said, this information gap. Just personally, my business on Sky is walking tours. So I think I've spent time with about 1,500 visitors now. And pretty much all of them, when they arrive on Sky, say... I didn't realize it was so big. I didn't realize there was so much to do. I can't believe how beautiful, you know, they just have arrived looking at an island on the map and saying, okay, let's go. So the information gap. So one of the pages on the website currently, and this is a website just to say is going to continue to grow. So it's quite simple and small just now, but it'll get more and more content as, as we build it. One of the messages we're saying is come to Sky for a bit longer. Sky is pretty big. There's loads to do. And if you really want to experience Sky, we try and give a few tips on how someone might make sure they've had a really great experience on the island. The second thing that we're wanting to do with the website is kind of reduce the barriers between visitors and local providers. So there is a movement in the travel industry to go through massive companies to book everything and to go through your holiday that way. And I think you lose an awful lot by doing that. You don't have the same interaction with visitors uh, in, the, in the lead up to your travel. When you arrive, your understanding is maybe not quite where it should be. And there's not that real focus on spending time with local people and enjoying their company, creating memories and understanding and experiencing culture. So one of the things my Sky Time hopefully will do is encourage people to book directly with providers of activities on Sky and start that conversation with visitors before they even arrive. And lastly, uh, the website is focused on sustainable tourism in Sky. As pretty much everyone knows on Sky, 
we have 650,000 visitors roughly a year for a community that's about 10,000 strong. So there are areas where there are stresses uh, on our island. And the idea of the sustainability aspect of my sky time is the message to keep sky beautiful. And the idea of keep, keep sky beautiful is to help us facilitate visitors to the island, helping us on projects. So that might be uh, beach cleans, it might be helping to maintain paths, basically anything that the community can think of that would be useful if a visitor helped with, we can kind of get that message out to visitors. And there's a big movement in the travel industry right now of people wanting to reduce their footprint when they travel. So we're trying to tap into that and encourage visitors when they arrive. If they can and if they want to, they can contribute to helping us to, to keep the island beautiful. So those are the kind of three main aspects of the website. And as I say, we'll, we'll grow these as the website develops. In terms of activity providers and experience providers, how will they engage with the website? So right now we are... Well, I personally am going through all the activities uh, available on Sky and basically listing them on the website within their category. So someone will go onto the website, they'll pick the different options that they're interested in and, and see everything that's available. They'll also be able to see where it is on the island in comparison to perhaps where they're staying so that they can group activities. So right now, we're really just wanting to send visitors to these small businesses that might uh, not have the same visibility as some of the bigger ones and, and give them, a, you know, a bit of a platform to engage with visitors. And, you know, we, we're happy to chat to the businesses about how that might work for them. But right now it's all about trying to send traffic to these small guys who, not small guys, but I'm a, I'm a small business owner. It's hard to, hard to get customers. So just sending as much traffic to these people as we possibly can and spreading the the wealth generation and, and and the visitors you know as far across the island as we can visitors these days they want to have some sort of insurance about what they're going to experience when they go somewhere they like a virtual experience so will the plans eventually for this website be to have more than just text and, and images that you can almost have a, a virtual experience see a video presentation of the experience before you book yeah i think that is the direction that we want to go in i think introducing visitors to the activities and the people running the activities before they arrive i think that's a really a good thing to do visitors want a personal experience they want to have memories they want to be excited about what they're going to do i think at the moment sky offers all these things i think sky is probably one of the best places that uh, in scotland that offers these 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 things we just need to get really good at telling visitors about it and i think up until this point we've been pretty good at it but we need to get really, really good because when visitors come to Scotland, this is my argument. When visitors come to Scotland, they actually think they're coming to Sky. They think of mountains, they think of castles, they think of amazing food. They think they're coming to Sky. So when they arrive here, we want to capture them. We want to keep them here because Sky really offers everything to visitors coming to Scotland. And we kind of coined the phrase, the Scotland of your imagination is in Sky. And it's about really sharing that message to visitors. And just one thing is a little interesting um, aspect of travel in Scotland online that I've noticed is if you go onto Google Images and you search Scotland, the top images predominantly are actually sky. And we are not quite getting the credit <laughs> that we deserve. And I, I did a little test and I tested it with friends all over the world and asked them to search Google Images for Scotland. 
and it's all sky. My point is we need to get really, really good at telling visitors to Scotland that actually what they're looking for is on sky. Do you think we'll ever get to this point where international visitors say, I went to sky and I bypassed the old manor store? <laughs> well, I think that is, you know, it's, it's a, one of those subjects that, um, you know, I, I, I think we have to accept people are going to come to these places. I don't think there'll ever be a time that people will bypass store. I don't know if I even want that. I think we need to manage the visitors uh, really well, but also say, look, you're at store, but there is five or six things really nearby that are really going to enhance your experience. So it's not just about visiting store and leaving. It's about visiting store and knowing what's around, speaking to the local people, you know, do you want to spending a lot of money in the local businesses? These kind of big posters for Sky are a really great way to bring people in. When they're here, we need to get really good at distributing these people to other other aspects of Sky that we don't want to miss. And do you think that will become easier because people post-COVID will be looking for more isolationist uh, experiences and, and want to get away from the madding crowds? I, I don't really know what's going to happen after COVID. I, I know, having spoken to visitors um, who find me on online or whatever, they are looking for niche activities and i think they've always been looking for these activities and as i say i, I don't think we've done a, a fantastic job a really great job of letting them know what's available and, and where it is and i think when we start getting that message out it will start i think to to spread people out uh, a little bit more the impact of covid your guess is as good as mine i guess well, you've Certainly picked a right time to launch this website. Um, it's to coincide with the global marketing event. The Visit Scotland Expo that was due to be held in April well, was cancelled, obviously, due to uh, COVID. But they've put the expo online on a virtual setting. Explain how that's going to work. So, yeah, the, the expo got cancelled because of COVID. So the idea now is for all the presentations or, or your, your pitch for your, your location or your business, is going to become a virtual presentation that buyers from across the world who are interested in your area can look at. So my Sky Time is going to feature within that online trade fair. And the idea is to get these key messages to buyers that if you are organizing a package or a holiday for somebody and you're only offering that visitor one day on Sky, you're actually failing that visitor. If you want your visitor to have an amazing experience of Sky, First of all, you've got to know what's available, which is what we're trying to offer them. Second of all, you've got to give them enough time. So many people leave Sky wishing they stayed longer. And although that's probably not going to change no matter how long you stay, you don't want people to come and think, ah, I'm really regretting the fact I've only had a few hours. So we're really trying to get this message to uh, businesses across the world who are putting together these packages that if they really want to look after their customer, they really want to plan to spend enough time on, on the island. And when can local businesses start sharing this website with their potential customers? So uh, the idea is that they can start sharing it now. As I said, this is a start. This is definitely a start and it's something that we're going to grow and it's something that we will kind of watch and see how people interact with the website and make changes. It's absolutely not a solution that I think is absolutely going to work and solve all our problems, but it's something that we can, uh, we can start sharing from now and get people interacting with it. For example, if you have a visitor who's coming to the island and uh, they want some more information, the way I see my Sky Time is it's a great place to start. So start sharing it with your visitors. And I think 
they'll appreciate that they've got somewhere that they can go and kind of get a really good feel for the island without necessarily having to jump on TripAdvisor and kind of having this completely impersonal experience. My Sky Time will let you find an experience that you're interested in or an activity you're interested in and then actually engage directly with that provider. And I think that's something that your visitors want. So uh, the sooner you share that with them, the better. And if there are new activity providers about to spring up once we come out of lockdown, how do they get in touch? So, yes, um, they can get in touch, you know, with, uh, with myself, but there will be a, a little contact form on the website. If you scroll into the bottom, you'll, you'll see an option to contact. I've tried to get, you know, a lot of activities on there to, to kick off, but I'm sure there are many missing and, and that is not deliberate at all. We have lists of activity providers, so we've started there. If you're an activity provider that you, you know, or an, or an attraction, or you think you've got something to offer visitors, we want you to also be uh, available to visitors. So just let us know and, um, and we'll get a, a link to your website. Um, from ourselves. One thing to say about my sky time, it's new and we are going to start pushing it as part of our own uh, kind of marketing. So although it's new, including yourself on our website, you will get some uh, kind of secondary impact from our own marketing for yourself. So definitely something worth worth uh, looking at and being a part of if, if you want uh, us to send visitors your way. David McDonald, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And that's all for this edition of the Skytime podcast. If you have a subject you'd like me to explore or a guest you'd like to hear, please email simon at simoncousinsmedia.co.uk. You can also email me if you'd like to sponsor or advertise on the podcast. Until next time, stay safe, stay home, and stay in touch with family, friends, and neighbours. Aikivah.